Welcome to Chance Time, the podcast where we explore all things video games. Join us as we delve into the latest news, reviews, and discussions about the gaming industry. From indie gems to blockbuster hits, we cover it all. With a rotating cast of passionate gamers, developers, and industry insiders, we'll give you unique perspectives and insights you won't find anywhere else. So get ready to press start and join us on this gaming adventure. It's time to take a chance on Chance Time. Hey guys, how's it going? <laughs> I, I definitely cannot match that. that I love energy. that. You <laughs> just curious uh, this episode. <laughs> well, it won't be me. It will be AI. That's right, everybody. That introduction was written not by humans. And uh, more on that later in the show, I guess, and throughout the show. Uh, this is chance time, but that's not normally how we start the show. <laughs> uh, my name is uh, is Paul, and I'm one of the hosts. And Chat GPT, Bard, and Bing are other hosts today. But also with us are a couple humans. Uh, we have Ryan Speakman. We love you, big brother. <laughs> and Curtis Love. <laughs> is there a little brother though? Would that make us big brothers? Um, little brother is actually like the the clandestine surveillance. I want to say, you know, like big brother is like always watching you and you know it, but little brother is like sneaky watching you. That would be my guess. Little brother sounds worse. Oh yeah. But we can all agree that medium-sized brother is the best one. <laughs> Middle <Medium> brother. <laughs> Middle brother. That's right. I prefer medium-sized, but <laughs> I guess Middle brother is his true name. <laughs> but, like, we all call him medium-sized, like, you know, to, like, tease him. But his yeah. real name is, is medium brother. But the weird thing is, he loves it. He loves being called medium-sized brother. <laughs> That's right. We got lore drops as well today. This is a big episode, everybody. <laughs> Introducing new chance to time characters, including medium brother. <laughs> um, strap in. Strap in. Get ready. Uh, and even though I'm saying this in the AI voice, that part was not written by AI. <laughs> <laughs> or was it? And it's hard to tell. <laughs> just so you know, I asked chat dot what what is this called? I already forgot. Chat chatbot chat GPT at GPT that one yeah the <laughs> chat one. Uh, I asked it for a name for a gaming podcast AI host, and it said, "How about Pixel? It's a fun and playful name that's related to the gaming world." Oh my gosh, it's not like wrong. It. That's the problem. It's not wrong. Here, that's this one. Ooh, Nexus. It's a futuristic sounding name that evokes the idea of bringing people together, which is what a podcast does. I like that it justifies its responses. Oh, is that what a podcast does? <laughs> that's what a podcast does. Look at all the people we're bringing together. Look at all yeah. the people and robots now that we're bringing yeah. together. It's beautiful. Uh, 
I mean, are you guys ready? Or should we should we jump in here? Is it time for one thing? Yes. I don't know okay. if I have any good banter for you this time. Oh my gosh. Well, we'll have banter throughout, especially because we have our extra AI host here. I asked it to name itself, and it won't do it. You should ask it for some good podcast go. banter. It chose the name Pixel, so our AI host has named itself Pixel. Give us some podcast banter. <laughs> <clears throat> This isn't good. <laughs> oh no, the robots failed. I mean, this just giving me. Oh my gosh, it's it's still going. This is too long. <laughs> oh, apparently that's a whole. It ended with take, thanks for tuning in. What a, what about a discussion? It starts with what have you been playing this week, Pixel? So that's just getting to one thing first before we were there. Mm. Getting ahead of ourselves. Slow down, Pixel. Come on, Pixel. You know how we work here, Pixel. Well, here's the question. Did you feed Pixel the entire text transcripts of every episode of Chance Time before we started? I didn't, and that would have worked much better. Ah, uh, see. Yeah. But now it's our fault that Pixel yeah. isn't better. I would love to see Jet or Chat GPT uh, or Pixel, sorry, uh, <laughs> incorporate Mike Struckerberg into yeah. the discussion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should we ask him who it is? Who is Mike Struckerberg? What it's, it says I misspelled the name. The correct name is Mark Zuckerberg. Who's that? <laughs> wow. Co-founder. What? Pixel know. serving an evil overlord. That's so is Mark Zuckerberg out of chance time canon again? Or is he still in? <laughs> well, He's he's in the canon, but he's not he's not respected uh, like Mike is. Yeah. I guess he's real, but we'll act like he's not. Because, <laughs> why would we? But even if Mark Zuckerberg is real, Mike Struckerberg is also real, and Pixel should know who Mike Struckerberg is, yeah, and not Pixel's assume that we need for Mark additional Zuckerberg. context or information. <laughs> He's the sponsor of the Chance <laughs> podcast, <laughs> clearly. I'm sorry, but I'm not aware of any person named Mike Struckerberg that sponsors the Chance Time podcast. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Mike is not going to be happy about this. Here's my question, though. Does ChatGPT now know? Like, I don't know. will ChatGPT remember? Once we feed in the transcript of every episode, there's no yeah. way it won't know. Pixel will remember. <laughs> <laughs> One of the most important figures in Chance Time history. Okay. <clears throat> Fascinating. Anyway. Okay, welcome to this episode, which is clearly going to be very exciting. Uh... Is anyone just really excited to tell us their one thing today? No, but I'll go first. Perfect. That's <laughs> what I want. Uh, so I'm solely focused 
on beating Metroid Prime right now. And I've had a very uh, back-and-forth experience because I found out if you get 100%, you get a secret post-credit scene uh, that, that includes a character uh, that I do own an amiibo of. So does it count as me beating a game with this character? Maybe. Uh, one of my lofty goals in life to beat a game with every character in every. Smash Bros. <laughs> oh, this is a good one. I don't know if we've talked about this before. We haven't Maybe, talked about yeah. this? Okay. Well, it's a good goal. Yeah. I, w- I would like to beat a game uh, that includes every character from Smash Bros. that you can play as. Just because I Do feel you have like to that. Play covers... as them? No, they just have to be in it because you obviously like. Okay. I mean, you can yeah. play as Bowser in Mario RPG, but I think they just have to be in the game for it to count. Gotcha. And so, if I play Ocarina of Time, that that counts a lot of guys. Uh, but I feel like it covers a good breadth of uh, gaming history if if I do that at some point in my life. Anyways, that's besides the point. So I start looking up like, okay, how do I 100% this game? I create this huge spreadsheet, (laughs) (laughs) including all of like the missile locations, the power bomb locations, the energy tanks, the artifacts, everything you can scan. And I knew that there were things that you could miss in this game in terms of scanning. And I was like, I have been so careful to scan everything I see. And of course I'm like, oh, I didn't scan the map stations and you can't scan them after you go past them. And so I was like, that's kind of frustrating, but that makes it easy because then I could just beat the game and I don't have to like scour every nook and cranny for everything, which I think will add like five or six hours. But then... I started going through the game and I looked it up again. This was after I deleted my huge spreadsheet I made. And then I looked it up again and it was like, oh, you get the secret ending if you get 100% of the items. You don't have to do the scans. If you scan everything, that gets you a new art gallery. And you can do like a new game plus and keep all your old scans and just go through the game again. So I was like, oh, I can skip the art gallery, but I can still get the post credit scene. <laughs> and so I took the spreadsheet out of the trash. <laughs> and Wait, did you print the spreadsheet? I did not. Okay. Uh, the Google Drive <laughs> trash uh, is what I was referring to. And... Now I'm going through the game and I'm trying to decide if I'm still having fun or not. (laughs) Because now the game has turned into me checking my spreadsheet saying, okay, I'm in the Chozo ruins right now. All right, here's my path to get every single missile. uh, And then I can move on to the next section of the game. And it's going to take me way longer than I kind of want. Uh, But this is how I'm choosing to play this game right now. And <laughs> I hope that this post credit scene is worth it. 
How could it not be? I mean, I I can think of several ways. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that being said, it is still a fun game. Uh, two episodes ago or three episodes a game, I I kind of said some of my my gripes I had with it, but it's still cool. Uh, but I do prefer the 2D Metroid still. Um, but I could see why this is was cool at the time. But after playing this and The Last of Us in a row, I, I'm kind of going more towards Paul side Paul's side of things. Of all right, I'm I'm kind of done playing remakes, and I'm ready for just like new and modern experiences. Fair. But yeah, I also don't think that there should be missable stuff in a game. Yeah, that's like unless unless there's like not achievements at all. Yeah, like, I mean, you got to commit one way or the other, I think. Yeah, it also depends on like why it's missable. But like if you're supposed to scan everything in a game, I don't think you should put like one enemy that you aren't able to scan unless you scan it the first time you see it. Right. Oh, that's fair. I I think it's a little cooler like in stuff like Hollow Knight where there are achievements tied to making a choice. Like if you uh, decide to save the character Zote or if you decide to leave him to die. Zote? Isn't that what his name is? Uh, I just named. I just said Zote. Oh, I always say Zote, but maybe it is Zote. I like Zote. Um, if Zote or Zote, if he pronounced his name, it probably he'd probably say it's Zote because that sounds true, quite that's exciting. That's true. Uh, but anyways, there are several achievements in Hollow Knight where it basically requires you to play through again and make a different choice. And that's kind of cooler, but I still don't prefer that, I guess. But it does kind of teach you, oh, there's like some choices that like allow you to see different things in the game. And so it's a little bit more excusable. But I often think of your Persona 5 experience, Paul, mm. of how you missed Me. all that content. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I feel like I don't know if you just like put stuff in there that you could miss if you don't have the foresight to like find it. It's not really rewarding if you accidentally get that content. Yeah. Or I, that's you... a good point. Like I would not have known what I did to get it if I had gotten it, you know? Yeah. Like if I did find all that stuff i would not have known what I, I would have thought everybody saw it i haven't really thought about that like what if i had gotten it but yeah i would have just been like yes this is the content i paid for here it is i wouldn't have thought oh goody i did all the right things because yeah. <laughs> it didn't tell me what the right things to do were or, or like give me any hint like you don't have to i 100 hold my hand but i would appreciate some some indication 
you know? Yeah. But and like similar in Metroid Prime like if I didn't have the internet, I wouldn't know what I missed scanning wise. And I probably wouldn't know that those were like things that were only one time scans. And so I would end up scouring the whole game trying to figure out where is the thing that I missed, never really figuring out that I have to play the game again to get the ones that I missed. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Okay. Um, that's pretty much it. I, I guess I could also briefly touch on a game called Pineapple on Pizza that I did play. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that Curtis recommended to me last episode. Would you say that by playing Pineapple on Pizza, you took a chance on chance time? (laughs) You know it. (laughs) Our our catchphrase for almost 100 episodes. (laughs) That's right. One of how many are we going to try out? (laughs) We'll find out, I guess. (laughs) Um, to be fair, though, that is taking a chance. Is <laughs> who knows what you're going to find in that game. That's true. Uh, if the listeners don't have Steam, should I just spoil? Should we just say what happens in this game, Curtis, or should we just say leave it cryptic? And if you want to play it, you play it. I don't know. I'm torn. So I want to talk to you about it. <laughs> I would like people to play it because it's just a free 10 minute game. That's just, so... <laughs> yeah. Here, here's what I suggest. Uh, since next week, Paul might not be on for the episode or the whole episode. I think Paul should play it this week and then we'll do a mini episode <laughs> a review on pineapple on pizza there you go i like that idea that's, we'll, that's fair Let's we'll do, do like it. a 15 minute episode just kind of talking about our experience <laughs> the masterpiece that is okay yeah i can i can do that yeah i missed it this week um but i guess what i'll say is i don't i don't know what to say <laughs> <laughs> it has i guess the best way to describe it is to just read the description on steam not the reviews though no no not the reviews Some of the reviews will spoil it uh so the description for this game is can a video game convey a flavor Uh, actually, I feel like this <laughs> this is a better description, the about this game section. Eating a pizza is like holding a party in your mouth. But what would that party feel like if the pizza had pineapple on it? <laughs> pineapple on pizza is a short game about exploring an island full of dancing people. I guess that's that's too much spoiler spoilery. Uh finding a way to ruin the party and unexpectedly enjoying it. <laughs> uh, I don't think I actually read that. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. Curtis, does that mean it's your turn? Sure. I was curious okay. if the... Uh... Nope, okay. <clears throat> I asked Pip Pixel, excuse me, to give us a review for the game Pineapple on Pizza. It, I think it's talking about a different game. <laughs> Something There's about amusing animations of the pizza chef to the playful banter between toppings. <laughs> the game never takes its stuff too seriously. Oh, sorry. I, I think it's just making stuff up at this point. I think so. <laughs> excuse me. Before we move on, I'm sharing my screen with you guys my Metroid Prime completion guide spreadsheet that I made. <laughs> wow. Complete with percentages. You gotta yes. have those formulas. I know. Wow. This yellow one is one that I'm pretty sure I checked, but I didn't check, or I got, but I didn't check. And so I marked it yellow just in case I'm missing one missile. Did you scan the bat-looking things that are on the ceiling in, like, one spot? I did, actually. I've heard about that. That was what, the ice shriek bats is what they're called. Yeah. But I missed, uh, I thought the, the wasps were all the same, but there were two different wasps that I'll never see again <laughs> uh, that I did not scan. The map one was the one that made me the most mad. Where every time I go into a small room, I don't think to scan the thing I'm about to put my arm into. So when you do that, you can't scan it? No. Once you use the map uh, machines, they you can no longer scan them. Wow. What weird restrictions. Yeah. You can always scan the missile refills in the save stations, but not the map ones. I guess because they're they one-time use. In 2001, is that when this game came out? 2003, 2002, somewhere in there. Yeah, something Maybe like that's that. just something that they, you know, people didn't worry about as much. I don't, know. I don't know. I feel like Metroid is one of those ones where they do because you get different, like, endings based on like the the amount of stuff you get like even from the first metroid that's right. true yeah but according to this i've got 87% of the scans which is pretty good i think i only missed like five things anyways please move on from me talking <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, okay, I can go next. Curtis. Now, now it's really your turn. Okay, great. <clears throat> um, I haven't really played anything new recently, though. So I'll talk about Breath of the Wild. I don't know if you guys heard of this game. It's got a sequel coming out soon, which is pretty cool. Now, um, just it's fun. It's still really good, <laughs> I guess. Um, I don't know what else to say about it because everyone knows about this game already. Um, uh, I have a question right off the bat. Uh -huh, uh huh. What are you doing in it? Since you've already beaten it before, like what? I was is, what gonna is try to rush because I haven't played the DLC yet. Oh yes, that's right. So I was gonna just rush the DLC real quick 
And I kind of have, but then I was just like, yeah, I want to kind of go climb all the towers again. I really liked figuring those out. So then I did that. And then the Zora people were like, hey, we need a Hylian to come help us. And I was like, ah, that was kind of fun last time I did that. So I went, I did that. And then I was like, let's just go explore all the towns because that was fun. And now I'm just slowly getting sucked back into the whole game. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you did start a new file? Yeah. Well, so I borrowed the Switch version from my brother-in-law um, so I can play it on that rather oh, than that's right. you my Wii U. Wii U. Yeah. And then I grabbed the DLC. <clears throat> and yeah, I've just slowly been doing a ton of shrines and Korok seeds. It's kind of funny how something's played out in this one. I couldn't remember where, like, what's the guy? The Oh, shoot. The Maraca tree guy. The Korok. Tetsu? Is that his name? Yeah, that sounds right. Um, Yeah, I forgot where you find him originally. So I had like 60 or 70 Korok seeds before I finally found him. Oh, wow. And I was like, great. <laughs> like, I need to upgrade all my my stash, as he, as he calls it. And then he let me upgrade like one thing. And then he was like, I'm going to go back to my dad or whatever. And then went back to the forest. So then I had to, which I had already actually gone and found the Deku tree already at this point. So I just like, fine, I had to fast travel <laughs> back to him and do that. But um, yeah, so it's kind of funny how some things I've kind of really gotten sucked into. I don't know. It's just. There's just something about it. Just it's really easy to get sucked into exploring and being like, I bet there's a rock up there with a korok underneath it. So you climb that huge mountain just to find the one seed, and <laughs> you find the korok seed. It's just so satisfying. Um, so that has made me really excited for the sequel. Um, I think as it looks like from the gameplay trailer from was that last week or two weeks ago. Um, they're really expanding on like the physics system of it all, which is really exciting. I am curious to see if they keep any of the abilities like the Magnesis and the Ice one and the Time Stop one. I forget all the names. Um, but yeah, I'm curious if they keep all. I feel like they have to keep the bombs because that's like Zelda, you know? <laughs> I would feel weird to play any Zelda game without bombs you can throw at stuff. But yeah, I'm curious to see if they keep any of that stuff. But um, doing the Divine Beasts, though, I know everyone kind of complains how there's no like traditional Zelda dungeons in this game, which I guess is kind of true. Mostly in the sense that they're all they all look the same, you know, they all have the same aesthetic, which is kind of a bummer. But some of them are really fun. I really like them, honestly. I don't mind that they're a little shorter. It feels like than older dungeons. Yeah, but I never minded this. I really like the like, uh, what's the one I just did the, uh, the one in for the Gerudos, the camel lizard. Oh no, Gerudo. Yeah, camels. Yeah, right. yeah, it's a camel, I think, and like the main, like middle central part has three parts of like a tube that you can rotate basically. Like, it reminds me of the, uh, man, I can't remember any of these names. It's the stone temple something from Majora's Mask. And you can just flip the whole dungeon. Do you remember that? Yes, but I can't remember. Stone temple isn't the right name, but but that was okay. a really cool mechanic in that dungeon. Which, which 
mask do you get before you do that dungeon? Uh, you don't get one before that one. At that point, so you that's have the all last three. one. Yeah, that's the last one. Yeah, and you go through like all the dead stuff. Yeah. Um, that's like <clears throat> a graveyard. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So now you can flip the whole dungeon on its head, literally. Um, but you just kind of you do it in certain spots, and then there's a cutscene, and then everything's upside down. Whereas in this one. Like, you can rotate the three different things one at a time or all at the same time, whatever you want to do. And then you pull up back out of your map, and then everything starts rotating in real time. So you can run around and try to, like, get different places and stuff as everything's rotating and whatnot. I think the lizard one with the Gorons is similar. I think you can rotate it. Oh, I can't remember. I haven't done that one again yet. But I think they all have fun little gimmicks, honestly. Maybe I'll change my opinion once I do the other two. I've done the... The one with the Zoras and the Grudos so far. I haven't, I'm going to go do the ones with the Gorons next. And then the uh, Ritos after that. But yeah, I, yeah, I, I do agree that like they're kind of all samey looking. So it's kind of hard to distinguish and remember which one's which, which is kind of a bummer. But I think the mechanics in those dungeons are honestly a lot of fun. So I kind of feel like maybe they're a little underrated personally. So I'm curious to see what they do with that in the new one. There's just it's funny because there's not still a lot we don't know about Tears of the Kingdom, even with that 10 minute gameplay thing, which showed a lot of cool stuff. We still don't know a lot. I feel like so it would be interesting to see what they do with a lot of things. One thing I really, 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 really hope they change though, which is a really just very much a nitpick. That's my nitpick, and I understand that. But I just really want them to let me drop a weapon or a shield or a bow or whatever in the little quick select thing, you know? <laughs> please, please let me drop things without having to go into the menu. <laughs> that's all. I, mean, that's I hate it when I'm like, you find a good bow and you're like, oh, if it's a chest and then it's a do 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 do. You're like all excited and then it says, oh, your inventory's full. And then the chest just closes again. <laughs> and you have to open the menu, go to the bow section because you never go there unless you got to drop something. And then you got to drop the bow and then you got to go back. It's just like, oh man, so annoying. Yeah. I, I just want to be able to just let me drop it. The only one that you can kind of drop is the weapons just because you can throw them. But it doesn't uh, always work. Do you like this game better on Switch, or did you like it better on Wii U? Or is it pretty much the same? I mean, technically, it's still the same. It's the same game, but I like it on the Switch because it's on the Switch and not on the Wii U. Yeah. Well, that's what <laughs> I, I meant. Like, pick it up do you and play like wherever. how it controls more? Like, um, does it run better? on the switch or does it run better on the wii or is it the same or i feel like it runs pretty much the same right. so yeah i do kind of miss the joy cons do feel small to me when i play this game just because of having to use the joystick and stuff to aim so much when you're shooting with a bow and arrow so it's like my hands to kind of like get used to that again Got so it. the joy cons are just I like the portability of the Switch, but man, the Joy-Cons just feel really small sometimes. Which Gotta is get bummer. smaller hands. Gotta get smaller hands. I did. I thought about getting uh, some of the... <laughs> Shrink them. All you gotta do. Um, the... What do you call them? 
the Hori Split Pad Pro, is that what they're called? Just for Tears of the Kingdom, so my hands don't get crampy. I probably won't, but I thought about it. Yeah. I don't know. There's not, I don't have a whole lot more to say because Breath of the Wild, you know, everyone's sung its praises for so long now, and I still think it's really great, and it's still, it surprised me how much it sucked me in to just start exploring things again, even though I was just like, let's just go do the DLC so I can be ready for the next part. But, and all I've really done is the Master Sword Trials, which I ended up doing all three rounds of that, which was a lot of fun. Did you? I don't know if you've done those. I have not. Um, the 120 level thing? I don't know. You go talk to the after you get the master sword. There's like a voice that talks to you, and you go back to the Deku tree, and you put the master sword back where you got it, and then it transports you to these trials. Oh, that was too hard. Once I played for an hour and died, I was like, I don't really feel like doing this again. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I struggled the most with the first one for some reason. <clears throat> I died in that one. And then I got on my second try. And then the second two I did on just first try. And I which was surprising to me because those were first technically try. a lot harder. And you like have to fight guardians and stuff. And I was like, I got this. <laughs> like and I managed to do it all somehow. But those are fun because they really make you stretch your resources and you have to really think things through. Yeah. But. I'm dying to know when you do the other one. The motorcycle. Yeah. To get the motorcycle. Yeah, that I was need the to one I really liked. Is that like a side quest thing, or do I have to actually do like the fifth? I I Divine think you Beast? do have to beat all of the Divine Beasts to unlock it. Okay. Uh, and then it like triggers a thing, and I believe the first thing it triggers is you have to like get a special weapon. Yeah, I think it'll be pretty clear. Yeah. I'll have to do all the. I was debating if I should do all the. the excuse me, all the divine beasts. <clears throat> but I think you should. I guess I'm gonna have to. Because that. I'm going to now because they're fun. I'll try not to spoil it, but that the final boss of the second DLC is my favorite boss in the game. Oh yeah. And that's all I'll say. I'll take. I'll take. I'll take. I'll take. I do think I could go do Ganon right now and beat him. Because the Master Sword. So after I did all the trials, it's up to 60 power. <laughs> it's like really strong now. <laughs> it's like stronger than a lot of the two-handed weapons. Which kind of makes me laugh. It's so shiny. I don't think it was so shiny before. But now it's just glowing blue constantly. And that's fun. I like it. But yeah, it's good. It's still good. And I yeah, it hasn't... It's aged really well, I think. Um... I feel like I've said this before, but after playing Elden Ring, I was a little worried because I feel like the exploration in that was so much fun. And then playing this one, that's the exploration, just just because of how the mechanics work in each game and they're so different, the exploration feels so different. Because the nice thing, the fun thing about Elden Ring and exploring in that game <clears throat> is just running around and finding cool little dungeons to fight your way through, which is a blast. But you're really just kind of running to different places and and fighting stuff. Whereas in this one, like the whole world feels like a puzzle and all the physics and everything they've built into it just feels like 
you can look at a thing and be like, I can get over there. I just got to figure out how, you know. And that makes it really cool. Excited for Breath of the Tears of the Kingdom. Breath of the Tears. <laughs> Breath of the Tears. <clears throat> Still don't know. I don't know. I'm really curious to see how much work went into just the new powers and the new physics things they did with the rock and the stick, <laughs> you know, and how much work they put into like the changing up the map on the surface. If there's going to be underground sections, we don't know, but one of the trailers made it look like it. I'm curious to see if there's going to be more traditional dungeons. Even if there's not a traditional, I don't even know what you mean by traditional dungeon. Does that mean you get a new item every time? So I don't think it needs that per se, but like different themed dungeons would be really fun. I don't know. I'm excited though. That's all. I guess that's all I have to say. Me too. I'm sure there's other things that I was like, I want them to keep this and I want them to change that, but we don't need to get into all of them. All I know is uh, on day one, I am going to get it, and I'm going to set aside the following day, Saturday, to hopefully just have like a five-hour period where I could do nothing but play, just play it. Yeah. Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah. <clears throat> It'd be fun. If you, if any, if you guys want to, uh, like, rent an Airbnb where we can just all have separate time to. We'll just all sit in one room with our switches. Yeah. <laughs> we'll bring our own monitors so we have little big screens and play with the pro <laughs> controller so Curtis's fingers don't get hurt. Yeah. Sounds great to me. Just Sounds like a great time. Constantly spoil it for each other, all go in different directions. And... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, what's this? Yeah. We'll uh we'll rent a water cooler so we can have the classic Zelda water cooler talk afterwards. Classic. <laughs> Who doesn't love a classic Zelda water cooler talk? You know. <laughs> no, that was not AI generated, by the way. No, it was not. <laughs> AI cool. wishes it could generate. It wishes. This yeah. Level. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well. Is it is it my turn? Yes. Okay. I have a thing to talk about. It's one thing. Uh, I'm going to talk about a game that came out yesterday, maybe? Wow. Uh, yeah, today's Wednesday. Yesterday. Yeah, it came out yesterday. Free on PS Plus right now. I know, I know that's not a thing that, that's popular around around these parts, but I have PS Plus. <laughs> uh, free on PS Plus. It's called Meet Your Maker. Mm. Um, I just downloaded that on my PlayStation 5. Oh yeah, because you do have PS Plus for a month. For another month. Yeah. So this is an idea that has been tried before. Um in various ways but i guess not not in this way so basically this is one of those game design as game games uh 
probably the most prominent example of this genre is Mario Maker and Mario Maker 2. Uh, but there have been other attempts. Uh, I guess Roblox might be the actually most popular one out there where the game gives you tools to, to make things. But I guess Roblox is more of like completely open and like Fortnite Creative is like completely open whereas Mario Maker is more of is a better comparison to meet your maker because Mario Maker is about making levels. It's not about making games, it's about making making levels. And that's what Meet Your Maker is. Meet Your Maker is a make a first person dun a first person shooter dungeon, basically. Um and then other people come play your dungeon and if they die in your dungeon, you get um you get stuff from them. And if they beat your dungeon, they get stuff from you. And then you can go raid other people's dungeons and get stuff from them. And you, you get the stuff. And this, really, the progression is your character, your weapons, like your suit you're wearing, you can give it more mods. Your weapons, you can, you can get different weapons. You actually get different suits, too, and different mods for different suits. You can get different weapons. Uh, different like consumable items like grenades and stuff um and then you can get more traps for your dungeon uh, they call it an outpost um you can get more traps for it you can get more guards you can mod the guards so they have different like attributes and that's pretty much the whole game it's it's go Go raid other people's outposts, get their stuff, use it to make your outpost better, uh, and just cycle forever, basically. Um, so yeah, it's it's level design as as game, and what I I really like it so far. What I really like about it is the like supporting systems seem to all be the way I want them done. Um, like, there's a lot of encouragement to to make something that's actually fun for other people. Like, because at the end of a level, you can give accolades to the the outpost. You have the options of, like, you can say, this one was really fun, this one was really brutal, this one was ingenious. And I think the last one is artistic. And mm. you can actually, if if your outpost does well, like if it kills other players, it, and if it gets accolades from other players, it extends the life of your outpost. So outposts by default only last a day. But if you can level it up, they call it prestige. If you can get more prestige for your outpost, then you can actually reset the timer. And then you can keep doing that if it keeps doing well. So you can like keep updating it, keep resetting the timer. And then also when you prestige it, it um it expands how much you can put in your outpost. And so you can make it bigger and better and like continue to grow it. And you're like rewarded if you make something that 
that actually works that like actually kills people or that people and or that people like and i think these are all really smart systems um mario maker tried to control things by you can only post the level if you can beat it yourself but meet your maker doesn't do that like it doesn't force you to beat it which i think is interesting but like if if no one can beat it they'll just quit it and then you actually won't get anything from them like you might kill them some a few times and get some stuff from that but like they won't give it accolades and and you level up faster if you get accolades than if you kill people that's really so interesting so it's a really yeah it's a really interesting way to like encourage you to actually make something that people enjoy rather than just punishing because yeah. that was my problem with Mario Maker is it was a it was a race to the top of like who can make just the worst level and I was like this isn't fun for me to play level after level that's just meant to be as crazy hard as possible like that's not what Mario is about not every level is crazy hard it's supposed like in fact most of them are not yeah. crazy hard at all <laughs> Yeah, yeah it, it's meant to be fun and and that's the problem with this like genre of game is that usually it it's not rewarding you for making it fun like the community immediately just goes to who can make the hardest level and then who can beat my really hard level yeah. which which is fun for a certain group of people but not for everybody and so i think this has a lot of smart systems like the accolades and the like expiring and the prestige like all these little systems to try to make something that people like and you'll be rewarded which is really cool even though like the actual like aesthetic of this is super brutal and gross actually which you know i'm not super fan of but everything else is keeping me interested enough to keep playing it um so yeah so far so good on meet your maker it's obviously only been out a day um i do worry <laughs> if it will i do worry if it will have a gets old fast problem like will i see everybody doing like the same tricks and will there be enough variety to feel like every outpost is is cool to explore i don't know yet so i don't know like how long this will go but it's it's definitely worth the free download and, and trying it out yeah have you so have you been just doing the raids or have you built your own base and stuff I have built my own base, and it is at prestige level three. So, nice. Uh, I'm up and coming. That's cool. Is it easy if I want to come raid your base? Is it easy for me to be like, can you like? Send I have How does that? Yeah, work? I have. I have not looked at that really yet. There is, is something. There's something called like social raiding, which I think that means raid your friend's base, outpost. Gotcha. Um, but I haven't really looked into that because I haven't had a chance to play it with anybody else yet. Um, but yeah, Meet Your Maker, definitely worth trying. Um, excited to see. I've seen one outpost so far that someone like really went for an aesthetic on it. It like looked like a medieval tavern. Um, most people do not go for aesthetics. They're going for game design right but i'm excited to see like as it goes on 
will some people get really into it and have like really elaborate like designed for look and feel outposts um i mean that i mean obviously that's kind of what happened with mario maker yeah it was was either a hard level a cool level a music level or a puzzle level oh yeah yeah, there weren't a lot of just like it's a Mario level like. <laughs> right, know, I agree. I did hear about Super Mario Brothers Five, like a full world. Yeah, I screenshot of that or something. Yeah, some guy made a whole Mario game essentially. Yeah, but it was like meant to be a spiritual successor to Super Mario World or something like that. Yeah. So not brutally difficult. Right. Sorry, I interrupted well, there you, go. you, Paul. No, I, I, I think I had finished. Oh. Meet your maker. Go, go try it. Let us know what you think. Is it only on PlayStation? It's on yep. PC. Pretty on sure. PC too. Probably on Xbox. Maybe on uh, I, I don't think it's on Xbox. I do think it's console exclusive because they released it day one on PlayStation Plus. Gotcha. But I, I, I could be wrong on that. I have no way of knowing. I couldn't just Google it right now. So we'll never know. <laughs> never know. All right. So I think that wraps up the one thing portion of today's episode is it time to get into the title topic i am just real quick i can confirm (laughs) it is on xbox it is on xbox you confirm yeah that's on all the things yeah i was wrong except switch sorry switch is also steam deck verified good job guys i like how that's becoming such a thing I don't know if it has crossplay though. I think it does because when I look at people's outposts, some people have like PlayStation logos by them, and some people have like a blank logo. And I assume that means it was made mm-hmm. on a different platform. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm ready <clears throat> to take gaming to the next level with the passion of a hardcore <laughs> gamer who's been up all night playing with a bag of Cheetos and a six pack of Mountain Dew. Uh, wait 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 i gotta find the one i liked where is it (laughs) yeah yeah join us as we navigate the latest news reviews and discussions of the gaming world all while trying to dodge toxic trolls and glitchy bugs (laughs) (laughs) ai just generated some great stuff for us what's the one there's one about there's the a boss with a broken controller or something? Where was that? Oh yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. The podcast where we discuss all things gaming with the intensity of a gamer trying to beat a difficult boss with a broken, difficult boss level with a broken controller. <laughs> a difficult boss level. Yeah, <laughs> not a happen. boss, just the boss level, the whole level. I like the stereotype one that I asked it to do. It says, grab your controller, your favorite gaming snack, and get ready to level up your gaming knowledge with chance time. We're gaming stereotypes, so it's like... <laughs> We're gaming stereotypes are celebrated and non-gamers are laughed at. 
yeah, non-gamers, get out of here. We're going to laugh at you. That's a gamer stereotype. We just laugh at non-gamers. Here at Chance Time, we love laughing at non-gamers. At non-gamers. Oh, got got them. They're not listening, but we laugh at them. (laughs) And someday they will listen. We'll be so embarrassed that we laughed at them. When we walk out of the Mario movie and see a non-gamer, we laugh. <laughs> we laugh. What are you doing yeah. here, non-gamer? <laughs> Someone in a Mario shirt. Have you even played Mario? Come on. <laughs> Can't you hear my laughter? <laughs> you can tell who the true gamers are because they wear shirts that say things like, I could be gaming right now. Yeah. Well, I paused my game. game for this. Yeah. <laughs> game over uh, marriage <laughs> all of those available now at our merch shop <laughs> please no our, a- our AI created merch yeah <laughs> anyway that is the topic today we're talking about AI um so obviously we've all played with AI a little bit. Did have you guys played with AI before preparing for this episode? Like, Honestly, I didn't play with AI preparing for this episode, and I have <laughs> not even tried it at all. Okay, I have just a little bit, but hardly anything really. Yeah. So I, my family got really into it uh, for a while there. So my family and I were all exchanging stuff for a while so i've played a lot with chat gpt and bard uh, which is google's version of it and um i've played just preparing for this episode i tried bing's ai chat which i'm pretty sure is also chat gpt but when i asked the same question as chat gpt it had a different answer so it must be modified at least a little bit but it's it's all like from the same company um and then uh chat the open ai the company that made chat gpt they also have a image generating engine called dolly that i played around with yeah i played around with that and then there's another one it's just d-a-l-l-e Uh, and then there's another one called Midjourney that creates images, and I've played around with that. And I have not. Another popular one is Stable Diffusion. I have not actually used that one. I've just seen things created by it. Um, so yeah, AI. It's really interesting. Um, going back to one of my predictions, I think for the year. Uh, everyone was talking about VR and the metaverse and how that was like the biggest. The metaverse was was the hot tech lingo for like I don't know six months, four months. <laughs> Facebook renamed itself as a company to Meta. Everyone was talking about the metaverse as the future, and then 2023 hits and ChatGPT kind of releases to the public, and all of a sudden everyone is chasing AI. Now suddenly AI is the hot thing. No one's talking about the metaverse anymore. Um, AI is now the the future thing. Um, and so we wanted to talk today about how do we think it's going to affect 
video games because obviously it's at least going to be tried and i do think it will be successful in some ways like i think it'll become standard practice in video games in some areas i don't think it'll take over um but I guess let me open it back up to you guys. What are the first ideas you have thinking about chat GPT and stable diffusion and Dolly and all these things and this kind of generative AI? What are your first ideas of how it could be used in video game development? Like where do you think it'll it'll enter first? I feel like the most basic answer is hey, I want to make a game like this. Please write code. <laughs> okay yeah like write me the code for a platformer yeah and then uh yeah if you have the knowledge you are able to edit that code to what you actually want yeah i can okay. see it being used and i think there's been a couple examples of this happening already um but for writing dialogue or mm. creating art for some I don't know if it's like the background images for a game or whatever the case may be, which I feel weird about, but I could see it happening. Yeah, so speaking of dialogue, our earliest, <clears throat> I don't know if it's the earliest, but one of the most prominent examples of like a major publisher coming out and saying, hey, we're using AI in our development is Ubisoft already put out a video um, for something called Ghostwriter AI that they're building. And they must have been working on it for a while. And now they're just like talking about it because AI is all the buzz now. But Ghost Ghostwriter, they have like a one, it's like a two minute video you can go watch about it. But it, basically they're trying to have best of both worlds. So Ghostwriter will write... NPC barks, as they're known in game narrative, where it's just things that NPCs say at you as you walk past them to make them feel alive. Uh, so the first thing that Ghostwriter AI is doing is just writing like a bunch of barks, and then the the writers actually sit there and and like approve or tweak what the AI gives them. So it's kind of like the partnership. They don't just let the AI run loose and accept whatever it says, um, it's still like human moderated. So I think this is like a, a timid attempt at putting AI in the game. It's not like we're just letting AI in real time write dialogue and then we're doing like text, text to speech. I feel like that would be like the all in way to do it, would just be you show up in an area and the AI goes to work and just starts writing conversations and we accept whatever it says. And we do like Alexa Siri style, like text to speech. Yeah. Oh, Alexa started talking to me when I said that. Okay. Um, so this is like the, the first real example, at least that I know of, of people like outright saying, we're developing AAA games with generative AI fueling part of it, but it's a pretty kind of uh, toe in the water kind of, Let's try it a little bit. Uh, yeah. yeah, I I do want to point out that like, cause watching the video, it, 
it feels more i don't know i'm conflicted because obviously ai and like ai generating art based off of real artists and stuff is problematic i think um yes but like this one is, feels more like a tool to help mm -hmm. speed up the process of writing dialogue for npcs or instead of just telling an, an ai to do it all and just rolling with what it has you know it's more right. like i need this kind of uh dialogue in this situation or whatever and then it has oh do you want to make it more like the npc is frightened or the tired or you know whatever that thing whatever kind of emotion you want behind it and that kind of stuff and you can and then take it and kind of tweak it as, as you need it feels more like a tool than anything else not like replacing that yeah. like writers for games for but i mean <clears throat> who knows i mean the cynical part of me is like yeah that's where it's going to start but that's definitely not where it's going to end right <laughs> but oh yeah i mean i agree with you i do not think that's where it's going to end at all also i was going to make a joke about how those are the only two emotions in games frightened and tired but as i thought about it that's kind of true <laughs> yeah <laughs> for npcs like i actually can't refute that <laughs> frightened or tired i i would throw in awe there as well oh yeah, yeah okay that's fair because the player characters is so cool yeah yeah there are there are three emotions in video games is annoyed different than frightened or tired i guess it's more tired yeah, it's it's related to tired. Because as yeah. I'm running through a huge crowd of people, and I accidentally hit them, and they're like, "What is? Watch where you're going, man!" <laughs> I feel like that's that's what yeah, I. That's a little seeing. different. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, got sidetracked. <laughs> yeah. Um, real quick though, just going through the comments on the YouTube video for this though. Uh -huh. Like they're kind of oh, they're dogs, they're not positive. Like yeah, they're not positive. No one yeah. really likes this. Like, no, Except this one person that says "love Ubisoft" with a heart, but that could easily be sarcastic. There's no that's Eve's Gimo himself, CEO of yeah of Ubisoft. That's his his contribution. Um, uh, going back. Sorry, go ahead, Ryan. to the original. Yeah, question. that's what I was going to do. I was going to say, what else? What other ideas you got? Uh, I mean, the the ultimate gamer experience is just being like, here's all the mechanics of the game. Here's a an enemy, and its only directive is defeat player. And it slowly learns how to try to like, like, defeat the character. Smarter and smarter, yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like that would be interesting, but I feel like it'll eventually always get to the point where it's too hard to beat the AI. Yeah. If it gets yeah. better, say, better like, yeah. I wonder if you could do it where, like, you just, like, how long you can survive or something. Yeah. You're going to make yeah. a Taskmaster and, video game. Yeah, and there's, like, a way to <laughs> reset the AI. It's, like, a... Yeah. Well, I guess it's still a roguelike, but it's, like... It's an infinite roguelike. Like, it's just a how long can you last? There's no winning. You will never win. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I guess, like, it, if they could somehow perfect it and make it not impossible, like, it would make games like Resident Evil a lot more terrifying. 
where there's always like a segment where you're in a house and someone's just like wandering random rooms until you run into each other and then you have to hide from them. Well, and that could be like an interesting if they like tell you that, like somehow tell you AI is powering this. It will eventually. Like you can't defeat it. Your only hope is to get away from it before it before it learns enough to destroy you, you know? That feels yeah. very Resident Evil to me, actually, where it's just, like, escape. Like, there's no... You can't do anything but but run. Because... You could add, like, a... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, okay. that was it. Oh. I was going to say, you could add, like, a risk-reward thing, too, or you're trying to, like, loot the house or something. <clears throat> the longer you stay there, the more likely the AI is going to learn how to catch you. Right. Should be kind of And cool. I guess, like... The more you do the same thing, it learns to counter that. So you try to force them to change up their tactics, like use different weapons. I don't know. Yeah. I think stuff like that is really interesting. Because really, like, how else would you do something like that, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, and I've talked about it before, but AI Dungeon... Uh, is a game that actually came out like two years ago That's that was using um, the technology that now powers ChatGPT, is using an earlier version of it. But the premise there is just, it'll, it'll play along with whatever scenario you want to play. Um, so it's kind of like a, a dungeon master in D&D and you just like tell it a scenario and then it tells you back the next step of the scenario and then you react to it and it's just text narrative back and forth but it it plays along with you and and continues the narrative um so that's that's just using the pure text generation uh that's one way that this is already being used in games, and I can imagine RPGs trying to add a visual element to that and then allowing for, like, just true role play and have it be less about, like, mechanics and, and stats and winning and, and like, there's there's not really a goal. It's more of just, like, a, a simulator. I can see someone trying that. Um if we can get to the point where AI can generate like 3D models on the fly. On the fly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> this is years away, but like imagine something like Fortnite where it has like a a standard look and feel that it like makes everything fit into, but you can you can generate assets like within that look and feel really easily on the fly based on AI. And so like you feed it a scenario and it just creates that world for you to explore and then like reacts um, to your choices. I don't know like what the mechanic would be for making those choices. Like, I mean, if you really want to get crazy, you'd have like mic input and you actually like, walk up and talk to characters and it like uses your your voice converts that to text in the background then uses like text generative ai to then decide what happens next 
in the story and then updates the world. But doing all this in real time <laughs> is is very, very far away at this point. Yeah. But that's like a distant future point that it might be possible if everything continues in the current trajectory. But I don't think there's the tools in place right now to do something like that. That being said, I would be very interested in like a goat simulator type experience with AI. Oh, right. <laughs> what AI can currently do. Right. And just like, like throw it in bugs and all. Em- yeah, embrace the goofy. Yeah. I feel like that's, I don't know, it's dangerous a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> just because of oh, what yeah. AI could pump. What's the, I forget what it was called. I put it in the. Ch- chance time chat at one point i forget it was like the ai generated seinfeld oh yeah yeah you guys yeah, check yeah, that yeah. out at all i they, didn't get to it i i was I've, going I've, to I've, weird. I've read stuff about it yeah yeah it actually got taken down because it made a i don't remember if it was a homophobic or something a transphobic i think it was a transphobic yeah. one yeah. of those yeah yeah it just made it was... a very inappropriate and offensive joke yeah yeah i just did it and then it got pulled so i i don't know the ai that way is tricky i feel like if you just said here do this make this thing for me wholesale you're gonna run into problems um and actually ai dungeon ran into huge issues because uh, for similar reasons people were generating content that was like Oh, we don't want to be a part of generating this kind of content. Yeah. So they tried to put filters on it and then they went too far. And then people were like, now it feels like we can't do anything. You know, that like, it feels like it's no longer, yeah, it's no longer like generating even like mild scenarios. (laughs) Like it just, yeah. So that balance is, is going to be a big problem, and it's going to be a big problem like every time we hit a new stage of of capability, you know, like when we can generate 3D models and animations on the fly with AI, we're going to have to solve this problem again, you know, when we can generate um, photo realistic, like film this way we're gonna have to solve this problem again for that you know like it's it's gonna constantly be a struggle and there's gonna be there's gonna be people always who are like don't restrict it at all just you know it's up it's up to people to decide what they can take you know that's just gonna be a debate at every stage of this yeah for sure uh any other ideas of what you guys think I guess going back to like what we have now, what do you think it could do? I feel like I saw a game that had like AI generated like on the fly animations for something in it. Oh. I know there's like procedural animation. Maybe that's what I'm thinking is a procedural one. Yeah, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I uh, I have a friend who is developing his like own version of D and D, and he was talking to me about using it 
like to potentially like create NPCs. Mm, okay. And kind of like facilitate like he puts all the game mechanics in and the NPCs use those mechanics to create scenarios and those sorts of things or to just create scenarios in general and right. I mean it's similar to what we've already talked about but I just thought it does. Yeah. I in terms of what we have now I feel like it's pretty limited. I feel like text-based stuff is like the biggest thing. Right. And like And that's similar to what Ubisoft's doing with it. Yeah. I'm surprised there hasn't been like a what are the the text-based games from like the 70s or whatever? Yeah, text adventures. Text adventures. Yeah, I'm surprised there hasn't been like a text adventure that's all AI yet. Well, that that's AI dungeon. I was talking, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's essentially what it is. Gotcha. gotcha. But it, it, but it's more about like create the scenario of your dreams. It's less about like because those text <laughs> adventures were usually basically puzzles given to you by a text. So it was like. Yeah figure out where to go and what to get. AI Dungeon isn't really good at producing that, although I guess I didn't really try when I played it around with it, but um, it's more about like the role play side of D&D, where it's just like, make a scenario for me and I'll tell you what I do and you tell me what happens when I do that. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Would you like to hear what AI itself told us it could do for video games? I would love yes. To. Okay. So I asked ChatGPT, Bard, and Bing the same question. Um, the question was I'll read you the exact wording because this matters to these things. It says, I said, how could generative AI be used in video game development? ChatGPT, I'm not going to read their full response because they're all very long. AI is. Is, is very ready to tell you about itself. Um, but ChatGPT said procedural content generation, essentially what we've said, but it went farther than we went. It said you could do uh, levels, environments, terrain, characters, weapons, and quests, all generated by AI. I guess like quest lines could probably be done by generative AI at this point. You'd have to like have it yeah. produce the quest line and then have the engine be able to interpret what the quest line means. But that that's not too far off, I think. Yeah. Um, and then this next one is actually kind of cool. It said dynamic difficulty adjustment. By using machine learning algorithms, generative AI can adjust the difficulty of a game in real time based on the player's behavior and skill level. Interesting. Um, yeah. I think that could work. That's interesting. That's kind of been done yeah. before. Yeah. Because the original Resident Evil 4 did something like that. Yeah, I think there's a few games that have tried just it. Just tweak it a little bit, depending on how much you die and stuff. Yeah. But I think there's a lot you could do um, with like a full AI machine learning. Yeah. It's kind of like the reverse of what we were saying. Instead of it getting harder, it could just adjust up or down based on what you're doing. Um, this next one we kind of mentioned non-player character behavior. Generative AI can be used to create more intelligent and realistic non-player characters with sophisticated behaviors. Um, and then game testing and debugging. 
generative AI can be used to automate game testing and identify potential bugs or issues before the game is released. Uh, I think it'll be a long time before we 100% trust a computer to tell us that the computer is good and doesn't have issues. <laughs> right, yeah. But um, there's certain things I'm sure we'll automate quickly. Um, and then player profiling. Generative AI can analyze player behavior and preferences to create a more personalized experience for individual players. This can include things like customized quests, item drops, and storylines. Which I feel like is just goes right along with dynamic difficulty adjustment, but I guess it's kind of a different purpose for the same idea of reading the player, learning the player. Yeah. I mean, that, um, that also gives me the idea of could AI be used to, like, do more precise matchmaking, like in online games? Oh, uh, yeah. Where you're yeah. not, like... Probably. Like, the ranking becomes a lot better, and you're not yeah, playing it, someone on gold level who's clearly, like, a thousand times better than you. Right, where it's, like, it like even if you're, quote-unquote, smurfing, like, you're playing on a new account, it only takes, like, one game for it to read. Okay, I know. I know you're skilled. You know, it only takes a few inputs for it to match with only people who are really skilled input like that. So we're going to immediately adjust your matchmaking accordingly. And then it we're not going to let you. A new type of skill level of people who are like, I feel like <laughs> playing gold skill level today. <laughs> Time, time to put on my my gold level skills. Yeah, <laughs> my gold with a bunch of Smurfs too. I want to play with bronze today. <laughs> like a bronze, a bronze player would never move their wrist like that. Get it together, man. <laughs> um, okay. Are you ready for which one do you want next, Bing or Bard? Microsoft or Google? Let's go in terms of evolution. I don't know what that means. <laughs> well, isn't Bing the evolution or like a different form of chat GPT? Yes, yes, that is true. And then Bard is okay. like a whole separate thing. So I was, I was, I meant Bing by that. But yeah, that was not okay. <laughs> Bing next. So Bing did something really interesting that I haven't seen the other ones do, and it like cited its sources. So as it was generating this text, it like had these little numbers by the text, and then at the end gave me like basically what website it was pulling content from to create this answer, which. I guess it's interesting and it's kind of a way of saying like I'm not stealing, I'm citing my work just like a kid writing a paper. Mm. Um so that that's an interesting like, you know, going back to the ethical question of like is it okay for these image generators to just be pulling from artists work and basically recreating it? I guess the way we've solved that in the past is cite your sources. And so that's what the AI is being told to do in Bing's case. Um, yeah, really interesting kind of sidetrack there. But uh, okay, so Bing suggestions. Procedural content generation. So uh, same as ChatGPT, basically. Uh, 
dialogue generation. This is the process of using natural language processing to generate realistic and engaging dialogue for characters and NPCs. Uh, so uh, both of those were covered by ChatGPT. This next one was not covered by ChatGPT. Um, code generation. This is the process of using machine learning to write code for games. Generative AI tools can create code that implements game logic, physics, graphics, sound effects, and more. This can save time and resources for developers. And then last one was art generation, the process of using computer vision to generate art assets for games. Generative AI tools can create realistic and stylized images, animations, textures, models, and more. And just for fun, some of the sources it cited included a16z.com, lore.com, polygon.com, and skipit.com. You know, so <laughs> pres prestigious sources all around. Only the best for being. <laughs> Um, yeah, so what do you guys think about the code generation idea? Uh, and in what sense is this different than what we talked about earlier? Well, we didn't talk about the AI, like actually writing the game code, did we? Uh, I think like, that's what Ryan was getting at. Like, right? yeah. Where you just say, oh, like, okay. I want to create this type of game. Oh, you're right. You're right. Code. Yeah. Okay. You're right. I forgot. Make but me a platformer. Yes. I, I would that. love to delve further into that. Of, <laughs> I I don't know how I feel about it. Because I, I think that does save a lot of time. But that is it the age-old question of let's put in built-in uh, tablets at McDonald's so people don't have to interact with anybody. <laughs> and let's make a machine at McDonald's that just makes the burgers for people. And then like, I don't know. Is it taking away too many jobs? Do we need that extra bit of human interaction? to make it a better well, experience and code is like there's a level of authorship to it just like art yeah yeah it's very so true. like is it stealing from people to do this yeah that's uh, interesting yeah, so there's but i can of... also see the people who have like written code before being like i wish that this yeah like takes I have me to like do... four hours to do yeah. to make one I... like i have to do the same thing every time yeah. yeah i wish i could just tell a computer just do this thing for me let me tell you all the steps and then you just do it yeah so it's there's definitely both sides to that but i guess one potential solution is you you use AI and say, here's the stuff I've written. Like you have your own AI profile that only takes stuff. You uh, and then so you do it once and then you're like, okay, build off of this. Right. Let me teach you all the stuff I know. And then. Right. Like I, I need this same idea, but it needs to be. All these things need to be changed about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I guess yeah, that could make it work. Uh, 
Cool. Okay, you ready for Bard? I am. Okay. Generative AI can be used in video game development in a variety of ways, including generating game content. Content. Generative AI can be used to create new levels, characters, items, and other game assets. <clears throat> uh, nothing really new there. Uh, optimizing game mechanics. Generative AI can be used to test different game mechanics and to identify which ones are most enjoyable for players. I'm not quite okay. sure how it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I was about to say the same thing. I'm not sure how that is possible. I guess you could measure what people do the most and assume that means that's what they enjoy the most. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway. Uh, improving game design. Generative AI can be used to generate new ideas for game mechanics, levels, and other aspects of game design. This can help game developers to come up with new and innovative ideas for games. And then personalizing game experiences. Generative AI can be used to create personalized game experiences for players. This can be done by generating game content that is tailored to the player's interests or by creating game mechanics that are customized to the player's skill level. Overall, generative AI has the potential to revolutionize video game development. By automating many of the tasks involved in game development, generative AI can help game developers create games more quickly, easily, and efficiently. Additionally, generative AI can help game developers to create more varied, balanced, and enjoyable games. That part, I kind of laugh at. Like, yeah, AI is going to make games more varied. It kind of seems like it's going to make games more the same. Yeah. <laughs> because I asked three different things the same question, and it came with very similar answers. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess overall, I guess what other observations do you guys have about these three answers or other thoughts <clears throat> kind of as a whole now that we've read all three? I just, I think if the problem is I have no faith that this will happen, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> but if there could be a balance found where these things are used as tools like these are saying you know like to make it you know easier to do certain tasks and you know make game development more streamlined and efficient and all that kind of stuff to where like ideally can you imagine a world where these tools exist to where people like developers are able to make the games they're making now just faster and they can focus more on the design and stuff instead of ironing out bugs and that kind of thing. Like if that were possible and they could hope maybe they could loosen up on like the crunch that so many studios struggle with, you know, like if that's what this is all headed towards, that would be great. But I don't feel like that's what it's headed towards because <laughs> I don't know the way it seems like you know everything has to be bigger and better constantly, especially in like the AAA scene, and <clears throat> um, I could see crunch just easily not going away. They just look at it and be like, "Look, we can do these things faster now. We can do even more." Right. So our time is not going to be you know like there's still going to be overtime. There's still going to be crunch just because that way we can do more than we could before with these new cool tools, which would be a huge bummer. Yeah, I, yeah, I could see it going that way easily, but I could also see it just because this is kind of how, you know, the gaming industry seems to function right now because AAA games in my mind can kind of all be very similar to each other a lot, you know, because um, they find something that works and something that sells really well. So they iterate on that a lot and 
maybe not iterate as much, but just this will sell. So we're going to do this over and over again until it stops selling and then we'll change kind of a thing. Whereas indie games are the ones that I feel like really can find ways to innovate and do new and interesting things and just weird things and take a chance with it kind of a thing, you know, and <clears throat> going at how the landscape has been laid out so far, I feel like indie studios are the ones that will be able to take these tools and do something really creative and unique with them. But who knows? I could be very wrong. Yeah, as you were talking through that, it occurred to me that actually I think where it will be used the most is marketing analysis. I think it's very mm. likely that marketing teams and like corporate teams will use AI to say like look at all our play player data and then like write a description for us of the ideal game based on what games in our portfolio have the most engagement like take all the highest engagement pieces of all our games and describe the game to us and then executives will go to developers and say look this is the pitch it's perfect everyone will love this game and developers yeah. will be like this is a frankenstein and they'll be like it doesn't matter this is what the people want yeah because that's kind of what happens already it's just done manually <laughs> Yeah. And and now they'll just say it with more authority because they'll be like, no, the AI has proven based on player behavior patterns that this is the game people want. So I think there'll be a lot of those struggles alongside the struggles of trying to decide how to actually use it within game development. Um, there'll be a lot of market analysis that will be frustrating i imagine that's my guess who knows yeah. maybe it'll work great and it will everyone will be like actually franken game is what i wanted it has all my favorite things i love this you know but my guess is it will not work out very well at first <laughs> kids won't stop buying microtransactions and super corn racing <laughs> they 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 want to race corn, and they want to and they want to spend ninety nine cents for the blue corn. Yeah, I'd say the blue corn's the best. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, but AI generated this. <laughs> Kids love corn. They love racing. They love superheroes. <laughs> and they love the color blue. It's all coming together. And they love it so much that we're gonna paywall it. Can have yellow corn for free, but blue corn. <laughs> Only one kernel of yellow corn is free. <laughs> well, great. Get excited for blue corn racer. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to completely derail the conversation. <laughs> no, now I'm just thinking about blue corn racer. Now <laughs> all the things I want, blue corn racer. Uh, <laughs> So I guess the next question I had, it, we've already kind of talked about um, have both how it can make it better and worse. Um, and I guess we've kind of talked about our next question too, which was, are you, are you more excited or worried for the future of games in the light of AI? Uh, but 
let's talk about that. So we've talked about some positives and some negatives. I think try to like go five years from now where like we've some of these ideas have been implemented, some ideas we didn't think of have been implemented, but but AI is it's just part of games now. Are you more excited or worried for that future at this point? I mean, in general, I prefer uh, to see, like, I, I prefer, like, the people tied to games and, like, learning, like, oh, this, like, person led a team that, like, made this cool thing and, like, oh, this artist is on all these games Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, and, and I know this is going like probably farther in the future, but I, I do agree with you that it kind of makes the things seem a little samey, and AI mm-hmm. seems to be kind of a future where it's just like, all right, what is what will make the most money, and then it becomes a formula of like, and I already feel like we see kind of. Yeah, everything feels very formula already. Yeah, and it's <laughs> so like... It feels like we're just leading into that more. Yeah, and this is like, how do we find a thing where we don't have to do any work to get the same amount of money? Right. And so... Um, I... I mean, I'm, I'm not really excited about that idea, but I, I also agree that it's so far away, and one good thing is I think people get sick of that. See, like the only thing I can think of right now is like Marvel movies where like mm-hmm. people are starting to get sick of them. Yeah. Uh, And they lasted longer than anyone would have thought. And I'm not sick of them, but I am, as, I'm a different type of person, I guess, but yeah, I, <laughs> but the enthusiasm is waning in general. Exactly. Um, yeah. And so I feel like no matter how much you spice it up, I think people kind of just want something different and it's not really that different, but you throw in something like Dungeons and Dragons. And for some reason that seems a little more refreshing than it being part of the Marvel universe. Right. For whatever reason. Uh, yeah. And I I think you throw in something like everything everywhere all at once and some other stuff. And I think people start to like glom onto and and it can be any it could be the similar to a superhero movie but as long as it's not like tied to superhero movies i feel like no matter what people will like kind of get sick of the same thing and it happens in all aspects and so even if ai figures out the perfect formula people will still want something new but then ai will be like all right i can immediately figure out the new formula Right. to make money off of this thing for a while. <laughs> and so I don't know, but that's that's kind of like the the uh Philip K Dick version of it. 
or there's or i guess a more uh recent analogy be, would be the black mirror version of it the black mirror version of just well, like it, all and, technology is bad and will eventually uh, cause our death yeah and will fail and ruin us yeah um I think I'm I'm pretty in line with what you're you just described. Like my problem is it like by definition can only just like regurgitate what it's seen. Like that that's literally what it is. So that that's all it can do. Right. It's it can only just rehash a bunch of stuff out there. And you could make the argument like that's all human artists do, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, but, but so going back to my experience with AI Dungeon, I at first was very excited that I could play like any scenario I could make up. But it did not take long. Maybe this just means I'm not very creative, but it did not take long for me to be like, Okay, so I've done some some scenarios that came to my mind, and that was fun. But quickly, I'm learning that like I like having someone else come up with something and share it with me, and like I know that it it wasn't just what I wanted. This is something that means something to someone else, and they put it together this way for a reason. And it's it's kind of telling me about them, and and there's a message that they're trying to convey by putting all this together. Um, I don't think AI is gonna feel the same way, in in that way. Like AI isn't pulling together life experience to try to communicate and understand the world around it <laughs> you know it's just it's treating everything equally and saying this is what humans say so i'm gonna say it you know yeah. so i think at least for a long time you're gonna kind of be able to tell right like yeah. you're gonna be able to tell okay so this is just some some ai mashup of of you know things that were made by humans i'm also kind of worried like does that mean we're going to be stuck rehashing everything that was said because you know ai is trained on the internet the internet has not been a long very been around very long so the language that is pumped into these ais is kind of like the language that was used on the internet, roughly, let's say, like, 2002, you know, I don't know how far back it goes, but for roughly a 20-year span. And I guess they'll keep growing the model, but how reactive is it going to be to, like, world events and things that change the way we think, that change the way we talk? Um it's not going to understand like the human impact of these things and react to them like 
human creators do, you know? It's not gonna and... be like Avengers Age of Ultron. No, well where Ultron sees all of human history Yes and, and then decides that all humans must die. I mean, it it might do that because Ultron did that. And that might be the problem. <laughs> That's true. What fictional uh, AIs can I model my life after? Right. It seems like this is what you wanted me to be. Isn't this why you created me? You were trying to create all these scenarios from these movie things you like. I'm just trying to be what you want. Um. But yeah, that's like that's that's what I worry about. And I also think that like it, maybe those things can be solved. Maybe language underneath all of that is formulaic enough that an AI could seem human, and we won't be able to tell the difference, you know. But even if all of that gets solved, what I think will happen, no matter what, is there will be a reaction from people that don't like this. And I think there will be some of the weirdest human-created art ever seen in the next few years as people try really, really hard to be like, there's no way an AI could have done this. <laughs> like I honestly think we'll yeah like it will just be like I'm gonna be so unique and so unexpected that like no one will ever think an AI did this I I honestly very strongly believe that we will have just uh just what Well, I might have to get my internet checked because once again, I have lost uh, Paul. Curtis uh, left briefly. I don't know if he wanted me to tell people that, but um, yeah, it looks like my Discord oh, no. is resetting. Oh, but I hear Paul now. Yeah, Discord reset for me too. Oh, weird. Uh, well, I unsuccessfully stalled. Anyway. Yeah. I, th I think you got my point. Yeah. People people do weird stuff to prove that they're not computers. I think that will happen a lot. And it'll be very interesting for a while. And then we'll find the way to work with computers and people will calm down. But for the next little while, people are going to go crazy. Yeah. It, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see people create art that ai can't create and then for another group to be like i bet i can make ai create this right well yeah that's the whole thing like, yeah <laughs> the whole point of it is to learn what people have done and imitate it so it, it will be an endless cycle <laughs> of like okay well that's a thing people can create so now the computer can create it you know so people will keep trying to push the boundaries um and it'll be but again, like, how different is that from the way art works now? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's hard to tell. 
but I do think, unlike the metaverse, this will have like immediate applications that people will try. Like, and it and it will actually shift the way some things are done. Whereas the metaverse, it might come later, but right now, you know, it's not like every employer is suddenly telling people you work in the metaverse now. But I do think like the majority of major companies in the world are having meetings right now to talk about how can this AI stuff be used for our company? Whereas I don't think they're talking very seriously about the metaverse. I mean, some of them are, but I think they're quickly abandoning it. But AI, I think, will actually, people will actually try stuff. And some of it will stick. I'm actually surprised to hear you say that people were even talking about the metaverse. Because as far as I knew, everyone (laughs) thought it was a huge joke. Well, like, people in boardrooms were definitely like, well, this is the thing, so... Mm. give me some recommendations you know yeah (laughs) but Uh, yeah but then people were coming back to them and saying actually no one is doing this but i think ai it's harder to be like well there's no application for this because there are a lot of ideas immediately and it's just a matter of do they actually go somewhere yeah uh speaking of the metaverse how long do you think it will take for Fortnite to get a VR mode and then have their own create, then, like do their creative yeah. mode and then they become the real metaverse yeah. that everyone wants? I I have seen think pieces already saying that basically Fortnite is the metaverse that everyone wants to create. You know, it's um, but a VR mode, I don't know can't be that far off now that they've because they just released their big update that the the unreal for Fortnite. did you hear about that um yes that's the new creative mode, like right? the the new creative mode yeah. that's like just goes way beyond what you could do before so i think now that that's out there i think a vr mode is now more likely because it's just will add more to the capabilities there yeah poor dreams and then poor dreams yeah seriously i I do think dreams has like it's it's audience um they keep having what do they call it like dreams con or something like i've seen that like yeah like three or four years in a row i think it's virtual but like they have like their showcase i think they've done three or four years now I'll have to look um, through that. I, I did buy it on a sale, but I have uh, never yeah. opened it. But I always like those sorts of games where you can just build your own whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think. I Yeah. So, yeah, Fortnite actually is like, the closest thing we have, honestly, to the metaverse, especially like the Ready Player One version of, like, everyone is their favorite character. Every anime is here. Every Star Wars is here. Blue Corn. We've got him. We've got Blue Corn. And we've got the most accurate Blue Corn mod ever. Even better (laughs) than the original. AI could never create this Blue Corn. (laughs) (laughs) 
This is blue cord for the fans, by the fans. <laughs> 99 cents. <laughs> yeah, so the point is blue cord. It's, yeah. That's what the kids want. I also revealed while I was stalling that Curtis left. <laughs> uh, and he said he would be back shortly, but it kind of seems like we're coming to a natural conclusion and he still has right. to come back. <laughs> what now, Curtis? What now? I wish I created an AI uh, an AI Curtis game. <laughs> an I, AI Curtis. <laughs> I guess we could ask ChatGPT what Curtis would say at the end of this episode. Yeah, that's a good idea. Okay, let me do it. Is it bad uh, to chat? put last names into GPT? Can we be more specific and say Curtis Lowe? I'll try. Um, right, but Curtis Lowe would say at the end of an episode of Chance Time Video Game Podcast. Uh, the episode is about generative AI. Something went wrong. <laughs> well, Curtis Lowe breaks AI. <laughs> okay, let me refresh. Okay, try it again. What? End of an episode. Chance mini podcast. Topic of riveting, riveting content right here. <laughs> this is what the people want. <laughs> AI replacing humans in real time. Okay, here's the answer. All right, what does Curtis Lowe say? If Curtis Lowe were to end an episode of Chance Time podcast on the topic of generative AI, he might say something like. Well, folks, that's all the time we have for today. We've learned a lot about the fascinating world of generative AI and how it's changing the way we think about creativity and innovation. As always, keep an open mind and never stop exploring the world around you. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on Chance Time. Wow. Curtis, what a great exit. Will Better than any exit in Chance Time history. <laughs> Will you do me a favor and respond and say, you forgot to say, ha have a happy chance time day? <laughs> yeah, yeah, let me throw that in there. <laughs> you forgot to say, have a happy chance time day. My apologies, you're right. Curtis Lowe would likely end the episode by saying, have a happy chance time day as a cheerful sign-off to his <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Uh, that, that is incredible we we had ai uh end the episode for us uh with your final comments curtis oh, nice <laughs> i'm glad we have ai here to fill in for me when i'm not available maybe chat gpt is the way we can finally let steve speak on this podcast yeah we'll use chat gpt for steve <laughs> steve's got to do it we don't have time to do that for him yeah. <laughs>
Did you have any but final man. thoughts, Curtis? Or do you want to let AI be your final thoughts? <laughs> I'll let that be the, the final thought, because really <laughs> the future of AI could reasonably just descend into chaos. And it, it sounds was, like that's what happened. Yeah, it was almost perfect, but then we made sure to say that they forgot to say, have a happy chance time day. And then everything was actually perfect. And then, yeah, and then it gave the best response of the night. <laughs> Incredible. Okay, well, uh, if you have thoughts about how AI could be used in games, uh, tell us in the Discord, link in the description, or email us, chancetownpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, I, I think that's it, folks. Um, next week, maybe, oh, yeah, maybe. A, maybe a double episode where we do pineapple on pizza review <laughs> and hi-fi rush review. Uh, so if you uh, want to play pineapple on pizza, it's free on Steam. <laughs> Be ready for the spoiler-filled discussion. Yeah. Spoiler-filled discussion <laughs> of pineapple on pizza. Uh, I feel like we need to stall seven more minutes because it's under two hours. Oh, what have we done? Should I ask ChatGPT to fill seven minutes of the podcast time? <laughs> no, we should end. <laughs> <laughs> all right well have happy chance time day just like curtis lowe would say <laughs> as a as a cheerful sign off to his listeners uh thanks for coming to see james as well yes can't forget that uh happy we shop wednesday is that still <laughs> oh, a thing man. It's not anymore, unfortunately. <laughs> the death of the 3DS and Wii U eShop just took too great a toll. <laughs> All right. I'm the one who All stops right. the recording. That's it. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>